new episode of Down the Rabbit Hole with a great topic, one that we have covered before every year. Hello, Carl. Hello, Rafa. Yes, we love the Ig Nobles, don't we? Exactly. The Ig Nobel prizes are here again. And we're here again to cover them because we didn't do a show last year. No, we had a break. We were on a break. Yes, so I you know went. we were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened, we were on a break. So, but this time we are back. Yeah, we're back. And it was an amazing and totally different ceremony mm. because of pandemic, uh, the pandemic situation. Everything was remote. Yeah. So everything was totally changed the way... Uh, They still had the opening ceremony. Yeah. The papers flying with people recording themselves throwing, uh, you know, paper, paper, dots, paper airplanes. airplanes to the mm. stage, but this time was to the camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we're going to have a, a guest uh, yes, for covering are. this topic. Uh, mm. And it's going to be a remote guest. Mm. Uh, you know, it, well, he's not here in this room. situation. He's not in this room. I've checked. Yeah. I thought he might be behind this curtain, but he's not. He's not behind the no. curtain, no. He's not. <laughs> We have Daniel Patrick Cohen. Hello, how are you, man? Present yourself, please. Uh, I am very well. Thanks, Rafa. Um, so I am a musician and I'm delighted to be with you guys today um, talking for the first time. It's my first time talking about the Ignitable Prizes. Yep, we're going to have a blast. And before we start with the show and with our winners, we have to tell you that this show is going to be in two parts. Yeah, because we're going to yak on a bit. <laughs> for sure. So it's going to be a two-show, uh, two-part show a dedicated two special, only right? to Ig Nobel Prizes. Mm. So, ready? Let's do it. Let's do this. That's all. And we start with a episode with Ig Nobel Prizes. And mm. we, let's start just right on with the first one. Dan. So, yeah, so the first one we've got is for acoustics. So this one is for, uh, they won this for inducing an alligator to bellow right. in an airtight chamber filled with helium-enriched air. And and who, which countries were... And this is Austria, Sweden, Japan, USA and Switzerland, oh, so super international. Definitely. And the fact that, I mean, like, it's a classic Ig Nobel thing because you've got that, it just sounds funny, giving crocodiles helium sounds inherently funny. Yeah. Um, it took me a while to work out why they gave the crocs uh, helium. Right. Um, yeah. But I, the, what I what seems to be, what, uh, I think I've worked it out. They, I get the sound travels faster in helium, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so you can use that knowledge to determine whether uh. the their voice is resonating within them, right, or just being produced in the voice box and, and leaving the animal. Yeah, and the theory is that the 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 sounds the crocodiles are making are um, are advertising their body size because it's got something to do with mating or something like that. So it's to do with same thing like in a human, like size of the chest cavity type deal, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I mean, it took me a long time to work out what, why on earth they needed to give them helium. But the, I think the idea is that if the pitch changes with helium, then that means that the um, that the The, the sound is resonating inside before coming out, or it's being boosted. Right. Uh-huh. Some of the frequencies are being boosted before right. leaving the body. I must admit, I thought that the reason why they used the gases was that they knew would know precisely what the speed of sound is with those gases, 
Whereas when they, if they just give them air, then obviously it's a mixture of gases yeah. and they can't kind of split it out, if you know what I mean. So by giving yeah. them known gases, they can... That sounds much more. That sounds much more intelligent. But I don't think that's what's going on. I don't. I think it's I didn't like, say yes, it was right. It took. Yeah, it took because if you look at the um, the abstract for it, it says they're talking about vocal tract resonances and exactly. formants and all kinds of stuff, and which really. And then uh, the guy, the guy, one of the guys, thankfully on the in the the prize ceremony, he did give that crystal explanation for right. it. And it is that it does seem to be that because it's because. Uh, there is a change that there would be a, an observable change in the sound with helium if oh if it was uh, and only if it's resonating inside the body mm-hmm. if it's just being mm-hmm. produced in the vox, voice box and leaving then the helium won't have the effect that it and, has and this was to partly to do with that we they know that it happens in mammals uh, but it doesn't happen in amphibians apparently mm-hmm. uh, but but a, Crocodilian. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen so much in non-avian reptiles, right. and I, I had to Google what the hell that was. But they, that is basically <laughs> that's snakes, lizards, turtles, right. and all that stuff. All that stuff. And they wanted to figure out whether the crocodilian could uh, actually species actually had this property or yeah. not right? through the helium. Yeah, and, right. they, and they and they do, which is great. <laughs> well, I I must. My life feels richer. Annoyance. For sure. I don't we know now something else that we didn't know before. We have now another useless piece of information mm-hmm. to add to. Although, was there, Dan, do you know whether there was, because I know you read deeply into this, was there a um, <laughs> was there an ultimate purpose in this research or was it just like, you know, well, why, no, why do you no, climb that, a mountain? That was the ultimate purpose. It, well, it is considered, as it's, as I say, it's is unusual for crocodiles, considering their um, evolutionary right. category. It is, it is unusual. But also, yes, it does. It is funny, the idea of giving, yeah, giving things helium. I wonder what else we can give, put helium in and see if it produces funny effects. Well, certainly we could think of a few people, couldn't we? Right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, we could, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next uh, category. Mm. And the next category is the psychology prize. Oh, yes. Who... And the winners mm. on the psychology prize getting their uh, ticks, cockroach, computer bug, and Volkswagen bug cube as a trophy. And, of course, their $10 trillion uh, original counterfeit oh, yeah. bill. No, isn't it? No, it's a real bill. It's from it was Zimbabwe, a, it's, isn't it? It was counterfeit originally. Oh, they were counterfeit. Because it's virtual. I thought they had mega Everything inflation. Was That's what. Yes, uh, it's real. Oh, but it was a counterfeit because it was sent as PDF online. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. But the, uh, the bill's surely, genuine, right? However bad the inflation is, surely $10 trillion would still be a short... I mean, how, infl- how bad well, is inflation? Well, I can tell you how bad it is because I saw a, a really neat program about the inflation mm-hmm. in this uh, particular country, which I've forgotten the name of. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Uh, which was... <laughs> Oh, I love the way I'm saying it, Zimbabwe. <laughs> anyway, um, there's actually a, com- a whole manufacturing industry that manufactures goods out of money. The money's that devalued. So oh, yeah, like they, you see pictures of them in uh, They make Germany bags, and, uh, they make carrier bags and, uh, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, they make carrier bags out of money. To make it actually useful, And yeah, sell them good. online to actually add some value uh-huh. to it. 
Uh, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Anyway, Rafa, go let's on. go back to the. <laughs> let's get back to <laughs> after the point. this uh, small. Um, yeah, I'll I'm, I'll just take lecture. my medi- I'll just take my medication. I'll be with you shortly. <laughs> So the winners are from Canada and the U.S., yeah. Miranda Jacomin and Nicholas Rule, for devising a method to identify narcissists by examining their eyebrows. That's fascinating, right? That's, yes, fascinating. But you see, that in, the, in their study, they were actually checking the thickness mm. and the density yeah. as uh, distinctiveness in each person to identify if somebody was narcissist or not. So thickness, is that the actual kind of height of the your eyebrow exactly or the, the depth? N- no, know, the, that, that would be the, the density. The that bushiness be, is the density. Oh, the bushiness is the... And the thickness is how high here Who, from the eye to the forehead, you know, how the knew distance. there was so much in this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems that the bigger, mm-hmm. the more narcissist you are. Is that right? So, uh... Again, I know a few Again, people. Again, I don't know. I actually, you know what I would think? Yeah. Those people that, you know, epilate their yeah. eyebrows will be more narcissist than somebody that doesn't. Because yeah. they're aware very of it, right? Thick and bushy. So, what you've got to you look for is people with very, particularly males, with very sculpted eyebrows, right? I would say that those are more. Because narcissist. it could mean they're aware of the problem. Probably, and they're trying to... And they're trying to disguise it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a good idea, actually. I yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> so I think the thing to do is follow the sales of male epilators. <laughs> Wherever they're going, is there such a thing as a male epilator? Yeah. I'm not sure there is. By the way, if any of you would like to know more about these prices, we're going to have the links mm. In the show notes, so you can check out and yeah. research by yourself. If you, if you want to know anything further yeah. about epilators, I would check Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think they've got quite a few. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Next prize. Mm. Who's next, Dan? Oh, Dan's on this one, I think. Yeah. So the next one is the um, the next one is the peace prize, right? Yeah. Good. Yep. So we've got this one is for have it for to the the what now. The it, this is for the diplomats, India, Indian and Pakistani diplomats, right. for sub, surreptitiously ringing each other's doorbells in the middle of the night <laughs> and then running away before anyone had a chance to answer the door. I mean, uh, mm. the Guardian's the Guardian's headline on this is uh, is uh, Pakistan recalls envoy from India in ding dong oh, over harassment claims. Which good reference had, there. So this is a this is a knockdown ginger. Anyone from uh, of my generation from South London will be familiar with this game, Knockdown Ginger. Is that what it's called? Actually, it's a, a yes, and it's, I mean, it's a really quite a peaceful method of hula, of being a hooligan. Yeah, know? it is. Um, <laughs> ring, you know, ringing on a doorbell and then and then not being it's there. When the, the ultimate harassment uh, <laughs> action against it's their the, political uh, opponent. Yes, I think very, so. It's a very peaceful one, so I think it's a very worthy, it's, worthy winner, it's, especially considering that they're both nuclear powers, you know. Well, it's almost um, like the ultimate passive-aggressive kind yeah. of thing. Right? I mean... <laughs> because I do believe they get very, very upset about um, well, well, they do. I mean, have you seen how big those embassies are? There's a lot of walking involved to open that door, right? <laughs> well, I'm wondering about... Oh, that was what I was wondering about. It's that surely they would have more advanced security than a door with a bell. Would they, uh, not, would they not have, like, a, some sort of a guard or, like, a computer system and you can mute the doorbell in the middle of the night or something? Mute the doorbell. <laughs> or electrocute the dude. 
pressing the button. Well, yeah. <laughs> this, this is a clear case for one of those uh, ring doorbells. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know, with the video camera built in. Mm-hmm. And then I, was also, I was also wondering if it was like the end of like a night out, like some guys gone, gone, gone for a night out. Oh, you know what would be funny yeah, if we on. went up there? Or if it was like cold and calculated, like they sat and, and planned it. Well, you know, like in a van the outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody with headphones on and spying, ready for the front door's clear. They're sleeping now. Go, go, go. go. But also, do you think it's likely that it just seems unlikely to me that these embassy front doors are backing straight onto a street? Well, that is what, that's what I was thinking. But of course, may, then I was thinking that. But then maybe the diplomats are being bothered at their own houses, which might not yeah, be in true. the embassy. Oh, this is true. But I do like the, the premise. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't go to the American embassy in London and ring on the doorbell. I mean, you just no, there's no chance you can do that, right? <laughs> well, you could, but I wouldn't recommend. It. <laughs> so, no, so, could you even get really close to the door? I doubt whether it has a doorbell. To be no, honest. it doesn't. Or a door, conventionally speaking. Right. Probably what you, is it? You get shot first. Some kind of then, bear trap or something. Spikes. Spikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rafa, uh, Dan mentioned that in the in England, in his area where yeah. he comes from, it's called, what is it called? Uh, Knockdown Ginger. And yeah. it was introduced as such, because that's what I remembered, but it is in some of the, I think in the London newspaper in the, the Metro, right. it was referred to as Knockdown Ginger, and there was a little explainer in a box. And where does that come from, that phrase, do you know? Good, goodness knows. No goodness way. knows where Knockdown and Ginger comes is from. Is there a similar, do the kids do that in Mexico? Yeah, it not? happens as well. Just, we don't have like a specific name for it, I guess. You don't have a name for no. it? I, I have, at least I don't recall having one specific. I have to admit, I'm with Rafa on this because obviously we did it when when I was yeah. a kid in northern England. Of course, not every house had a front door, and when I was young. But there you go. It was more <laughs> or ringing, a, making prank calls. It was as well, more of a bead curtain, you know. But anyway, the thing about it is, we didn't have a name for it either. No. So, so what is it about you, South Londoners, that you have to have a name for everything? What's that all about? Well, I don't doubt. Oh, we've got another. Okay, knock down ginger or knocky down ginger. Knocky down. <laughs> used in, it's used getting in worse. Parts of, used in parts of southern England comes from an English poem. Ginger, ginger broke down a window. Uh, hit the window, crack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's fine, do- fine. Dr. Seuss territory, right? Yeah, very good. Okay, well, that's good. I think we've covered mm-hmm. that one. It's yeah. got a Wikipedia page, of course. But we do like that whole concept of knocking on each other's doors. Right? <laughs> All right. Then next, uh, Carl. Okay, well, the next one. The next one is uh, the physics prize. And this is a pretty one by quite a lot of com- countries, actually. They, this is a truly international collaboration. Um, yeah. It's like Australia, Ukraine, France, Italy, Germany, UK, South Africa. And uh, it's the physics prize. And these guys, Ivan. Maximov, I think, Maximov, and, yeah. and Andrei Potosky, they had, uh, they were extremely curious about what happens when you expose an earthworm to high frequency sound. Yeah, because why not make them vibrate and shake a bit? Yeah, but yeah, but why <laughs> was my question? <laughs> Yes, that's another, that's another one about why. Now, now, here's a thing, which is uh, I think it might be, there might be some connection with birds. 
Okay. I'm going to make a connection here because birds um, have a behaviour that they uh, do, which is that they get on the ground where they think there are Mm -hmm. worms and they tap the ground with their beaks and what they're trying to do is imitate the sound of rain because when it rains, worms come up, right? So so obviously the worms pick up the vibration of the rain drops hitting the ground and it brings them up and also this bird behaviour is meant to fool them and I wonder whether this is related. Well, well that, again, that makes much more sense than what I'm trying to gather. Exactly, <laughs> than what they actually mentioned, actually. Yeah. Which is the yeah. vibrations and liquids, basically, and the interaction between those and be used as a form of communication. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What? Earthworms communicate with each other. Vibrating. They have a vibration language. Well, they try to make them vibrate and see if they could communicate or somehow those uh, vibrations oh, be passed on. So they were, oh, the, so they thought they might be able to influence the behavior of mm-hmm. the earthworms. Uh, oh, yeah, and it says there, uh, exploit them to sense and modify soil structure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it could be to do with something. <laughs> <laughs> That I th- does seem to be the case. Yeah, yes. I think yeah. that does seem to be the case. I don't know. It could be something I don't know important. Well, I watched the ceremony uh, in YouTube live. Yeah. And the picture there was really... Uh, <laughs> interesting. One thing I noticed about the research that they did was they very commendably checked if they had to get ethical clearance before they did the work. So no worm was harmed during the... No no earthworms were harmed. (laughs) And apparently the the earthworms are represented at the UN. Apparently they have a representative. (laughs) No, I'm not actually... I am literally joking there. So... Oh yeah. God! I really, I, I bought that. Did you? My did goodness. you? Did, <laughs> well, I saw the look on your face there. You think that is incredible? Right? Oh dear. So yes. Yeah, so and apparently, not only are earthworms uh, very easygoing when it comes to participating in experiments, mm-hmm. um, they're also cheap. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently you can just go down to a bait shop and buy some for your experiment. Right? <laughs> I'll have two buckets of experimental earthworms, please, landlord. And yeah. off you go, right? So have, yeah, we, have, we, so have we got anything else on the No, I don't award? think so. So I think we can just move to the economics price. I'm a bit disappointed that I got the earthworms one. Now, this one, the next one, <laughs> economics, it's, it's actually also very interesting, but... A lot of countries. The countries are a lot because obviously you need to test this as much as possible in the world. Do, you do. So we had from the UK, Poland, France, Brazil, mm. Chile, Colombia, uh, Australia, Italy, Norway, and again, Italy. A lot of names, <laughs> two, so I'm not going to read Italy's. them all. <laughs> so their experiment was about trying to quantify mm. in a relationship between different countries and national income inequality. Yeah. And the average oh, amount yeah. of mouth-to-mouth kissing. Yeah, I think this is important. Of course, because, you know, mm. all we need is love. love yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, Please stop singing. I will. Okay. Yeah, I, I so do. We will. Yeah, especially have. now. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So do we know why they decided this was a worthy subject? For- because they, they discovered that actually people uh, with uh, less um, income, yeah. with less, less resources, were yeah. actually kissing more. They were kissing more. Than the ones that had more income. Is that right? And I could I could believe that. That sounds logical to me. And I would think that that is my own uh, point of view. It has to do a lot with uh, actually the fact that they need to compensate somehow that lack of uh, uh, so resources, the, so material, the, or income. Uh, so the less income they have, the more kissing they do. Yeah, mouth to mouth. Oh no! Hang on a minute. No, hang on a minute. No? It's got to be. It's got to be a bit more complicated than this because yeah. the the income the the predicted relationship is f- with the between kissing and in income equality is five times the size of the correlations between income inequality and cuddling and yeah. sex. And the interesting thing uh-huh. is, these are correlations, right? So they're not saying cause and effect. They're just, cause and effect, no. They're just cause uh, correlations. So but there, it's interesting that it's five times the correlation, so it does seem to be a thing about specifically kissing. It's not just intimacy is what we're... So. something going on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're having trouble with this, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I hope that doesn't say much about us, right? Uh, In general, yeah. Well, do, do you yeah. kiss a lot, then? Well, yes, of course. Uh, the cut, but the, I mean, the, <laughs> the um, yeah. We're not talking about kissing oranges here, then. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, the cuddling thing might make more sense because yeah, you could imagine posh people being more reserved. Certainly in England, right? You'd imagine posh people being more reserved yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But then, yeah. But then, apparently, there doesn't seem to be any correlation uh, in terms of sex. Well, I uh, I had this thought, which was that I would have thought that I could go two ways, right? The more relaxed you are because you are mm-hmm. not short of money, then the more time you have available for pursuing other leisure interests. <laughs> I'm just, other, other than I'm kissing. Use, I'm using code words there. Code words. Code words there. And for safety. Right? And But then you could flip it the other way and you could say that the less wealthy you are, the more anxious you are, mm-hmm. and therefore you might pursue close relationships to get some kind of psychological comfort or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's, yeah, that sounds logical. Something like that. Some, Which is why it's correlated and not causative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's an... In- Actually, I'm keep, I kept on reading a little bit now. Yeah. And uh, says that, you know, this, this is an actually interesting part. It says that uh, normally we don't really engage in romantic kissing indiscriminately. Unless, you know. <laughs> that, indiscriminately. That is the general yeah. rule, unless, I think. Unless, yeah. unless what? In which situation do we Unless engage? the cost of kissing are traded off in favor of escalating courtship with a high oh. quality mate. Ah, oh. uh-huh. Right. Now... Consistent with the mate assessment hypothesis, then kissing is more important. Right. And it's more likely to influence attraction for the more selective sex. Women, but, but talking about women. But what's this got to do with wealth? <laughs> because in... Oh, high quality mate would, Among would more be. selective individuals and in contexts where the cost of choosing a less healthy mate are greater oh, look at in that. short-term sexual yeah. encounters, then, you know, 
the hypothesis, hypothesis is that uh, as an expression of love that strengthens romantic attachment, kissing plays a functional role in monitoring and maintaining long-term relationship quality. So it, it it's partly to do with mating, uh, finding the right quality mate, isn't it? So, Just like the crocodiles. Just like... <laughs> well, it, well, it says in the research notes, it says... Uh, uh, that romantic kissing may incur costs. I think this is very interesting. <laughs> as such, we do not engage in romantic kissing indiscriminately, as you said. Yeah. Uh, unless the costs of kissing are traded off in favour of escalating courtship with a high-quality <laughs> mate. Right. So it's like in pursuit of... So a high-quality mate would not only be, if you were a lady and you were assessing your male partner for, you know, the old attaching mm-hmm. the old ball and chain at some point, that um, you're not only assessing them for virility, you're also assessing them for can they keep you in the manner you have or would like to become accustomed, right? So it's wealth and, uh, you know, uh, offspring uh, quality stuff. Okay, I think we discussed I think that one. Got I think we got lost. I, I think enough. we flogged this one to death. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's move to the last one for this show of today, oh. which is uh, management price. Anybody wants to weigh in on this one? Oh yeah. Oh, this is tremendous. This is tremendous. Look at this. So this is the now. If I've got this right, we've got five professional hitmen. Yeah, and they uh, all accepted money to perform murders but they all ended up being subcontracted to murder each other. So one guy's been uh, subcontracted to... Ha- to <laughs> was, oh, no, hang on a minute. No, I've got that. A circular murder chain. Oh, right, yes, hang on a minute. So there's one murder. No, hold on. Because uh, this is what I thought they'd all been hired to hit to uh, assassinate each other. No, there's one murder, right? Which was subcontracted five times <laughs> to someone who <laughs> subcontracted it to someone else. Who subcontracted someone They're all else. making a cut, right? <laughs> and nobody actually performing the murder. Uh, uh, yes, and each subsequently enlisted hitman receiving a smaller percentage of the fee. Yeah. <laughs> <And> nobody, <laughs> you, you know, what? It's, it's like it's like a pyramid scheme for murder, right? It's like, oh, a, yes. it's, like a, it's like a Ponzi scheme, right? They, each one passes it on to the next one. They each make smaller and smaller amounts of money. It was like to, that topper we're meeting on. Yeah. <laughs> till, you get to, till you get to the dope at the end, he gets virtually nothing and he goes to jail for the murder. Yeah. I think I've seen that movie, actually. Herbalife meeting of Herbalife. <laughs> Herbalife, yeah. That's what, that's what it's a cover for. Murder Inc. Yeah. <laughs> so... so so, so it's a murder, a murderous py- pyramid scheme, yes. A murderous pyramid scheme, exactly. So I'm not, again, entirely sure what they were trying to get at. And actually, there's no link, actually, to this research. Well, my other point the is, paper. and how do you exactly recruit five hitmen for this research, right? Well, you go on some, you know, social media platform and do you know a hitman, <laughs> you know? Is he interested in research work? I, I don't know. Well, I think they're, they're giving these prizes, some of them, I think lots of the prizes are given to people who, who might not necessarily want them. We're going to come back to that later, I think. I, uh, and then I think, but they all invite, they always invite the people onto the, show, onto the show. Right. I mean, you can imagine, obviously, people wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, come across as a big man, might say they're a hitman, take the contract and go, 
what am I going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> I need to, you know, pass the hot potato. Anyway. Shall I do the next intro? But for the next show. Oh, because for the, right oh. now we are over with it. We're over it. Yes. <laughs> no, thank you for listening to this episode, but... Yeah. Be sure to listen to the next one next week, actually. Yeah. Because we will immediately release now the second part of the Ig Nobel Prizes. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. See you in the next yes. episode, right? See you in the next episode. Thank you, Carl. Uh, thank you, Rafa. It has been wonderful. See you next week. Ig Nobel Prizes continues.